Joshua chapter 9. We're going to attempt the whole chapter tonight. Joshua chapter 9. I appreciate everybody that came to help with shoeboxes tonight. We had a good shoebox crew back there. I think it was all ladies, if I'm not mistaken. A bunch of ladies back there getting shoeboxes painted, getting stuff sorted, and, and getting ready to go. And so thank you guys for coming to do that. That was great. And us men, we, we didn't get too much out of control in class, so we, we tried to keep all on the same page. But uh, thanks, everybody, for coming to take part in that tonight. Also, if somebody is just itching to go to jury duty in the morning, me and Mr. Lester had to go, and we would gladly trade places with, with one of y'all. If y'all are just itching to go, you can have my ticket and go in my place. So, so anyway, it's all good, though. We'll be all right. All right, Joshua chapter 9. Now we've seen uh, God's people Israel, Joshua and the Israelites and they're going right on into the promised land. They done took over Jericho. They done took over Ai and they are on their way to taking over the land that God had promised to give them. And we are going to see another story take place tonight as they are continuing on their journey. So let's pray and then we're just going to go through uh, chapter 9 a verse or two at a time. Father God, we come to you now, and I thank you for your word tonight, and I pray that you would do some good for us through your word, that we would learn something from it. God, that, that you would speak to us, and that, God, that we might fear you in the way that we should, God. I, I know sometimes we don't fear you enough, dear Lord. We don't have that reverent fear and respect for you uh, the way that we should. So help us to, to know who you are, dear Lord, to know just how powerful you are, and help that to... To make a difference in our life. Help that, help that fear lead us to wisdom and understanding that's going to drive us to avoid sin, dear Lord, and to draw closer to you. So I pray that you just would speak through your word. I pray that you'd speak through me today, God. I pray that you would just help me to lay down my pride, that you would help me to be humble as I speak and preach and teach your word to these people tonight, that it would be, that it would be beneficial, that we would get something out of this, this long text. Speak to us, God. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. When all the kings heard about Jericho and Ai, those who were west of the Jordan in the hill country in the Judean foothills and all along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they formed a unified alliance to fight against Joshua in Israel. Alright, so we're starting to, to see the scene. We've already seen the scene take place. Here we've got Israel coming in. They're taking over these cities as they, as they get to them and it didn't take long for word to spread. Word spread and these other places knew that Israel was a big deal. Israel was a real deal because they had God on their side. With Jericho falling, Ai falling, the rest of the, the, rest of the, of the leaders in the, in the land said, hold up, wait a minute. So they decided they were all going to form an alliance so that they could fight against the Israelites. So they heard about God and how powerful it was, He was, and their decision was that they were going to prepare to fight. Now, that's, that's not a bad idea for the most part. If you're talking about going into war, that is, and you see a, another country that's coming, <coughs> excuse me, that is more powerful than you, then it's not unheard of. We understand that. We've seen a couple of world wars. We know what it's like for countries to make alliances. And that's what these people were doing. The problem is they were fighting against God. They could have made an alliance with every human being on the earth. And guess what? 
As long as God's children were obedient and doing what God called them to do and what God led them to do, then with God on their side, they were not going to fall. All right, let's read a little further. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they acted deceptively. They gathered provisions and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins cracked and mended. They wore old patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provision of bread was dry and crumbly. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him, And the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land. Please make a treaty with us. All right, so you had one group of people that all got together to form an alliance. That was their plan to try to stand up to Israel. You have another group here, the people from Gibeon, and they had a whole another plan. They decided that they were going to be deceptive. They had heard about the God of Israel, and there was a certain fear that they had of the Lord, a fear that even drove them to be deceptive, and they said, look, this is what we're going to do. This is why I think the book of Joshua would make a good movie. It's lots of good stuff just like this. They come up with this master plan. I'm sure in their mind it was a master plan. That they was going to get all wore out looking stuff, old wineskin, old clothes, and they were going to wander up onto the people of Israel and they were going to say, oh, poor us, we're just wandering along. We don't have much. Look, everything we've got is wore out. Would you please take care of us? We're from a foreign land. Would you take us in and would you take care of us? And so they decided they would try to deceive the Israelites. Because after all, as long as they didn't think that they were the enemies of the land they were trying to capture, they wouldn't kill them and they'd be okay. So that was their master plan, the people of Gibeon. Their plan was to be deceptive. So that's exactly what they did. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gigal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land. Please make a treaty with us. The men of Israel replied to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us. How can we make a treaty with you? They said to Joshua, We are your servants. Then Joshua asked them, Who are you and where do you come from? They replied to him, Your servants had come from a faraway land because of the reputation of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two Amorite kings beyond the Jordan, Sahan, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our land told us, Take provisions with you for the journey. Go and meet them and say, We are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we took it out Excuse me, when we took it from our houses as food on the day we left to come to you. But take a look. It is now dry and crumbly. These wide skins were new when we filled them, but look, they are cracked. And these clothes and sandals of ours are worn out from the extremely long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but did not seek the Lord's counsel. So Joshua established peace with them and made a treaty to let them live. And the leaders of the community swore an oath to them. All right, so it would appear as though their deception has paid off. Now, at first, 
the Israelites and Joshua, they did kind of question a little bit. Okay, how do we know you're not just tricking us? How do you know you're not living right here close to us? How can we trust you? And their response is, well, of course you can trust us. Look at this stuff. We come, we, when we left, we had all new stuff that we were wearing and brought, and all of our stuff is worn out. We've been traveling on such a tough journey from such a long land, and the Israelites said, okay, we'll let you come on in. And they took care of them, and they took it in, and they made a treaty, they made a covenant with the people. All right, let's read a little further. Three days after making the treaty with them... They heard that the Gibeonites were their neighbors living among them. So the Israelites set out and reached the Gibeonite cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Sheraphah, Beroth, and Kiriath, Jerom. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the community had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then the whole community grumbled against the leaders. All the leaders answered them, We have sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This is how we will treat them. We will let them live so that no wrath will fall on us because of the oath we have sworn to them. They also said, Let them live. So the Gibeonites became woodcutters and water carriers for the whole community as the leaders had promised them. Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said to them, Why did you deceive us by telling us you live far away from us, when in fact you live among us? Therefore you are cursed, and will always be slaves, woodcutters and water carriers, for the house of my God. The Gibeonites answered him, It was clearly communicated to your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servants Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. We greatly feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. Now we are in your hands. Do to us whatever you think is right. This is what Joshua did to them. He delivered them from the hands of the Israelites, and they did not kill them. On that day, he made them woodcutters and water carriers as they are today for the community of the Lord's altar at the place he would choose. Now, that's a pretty interesting text. That's a lot for us to take in. That's kind of a lot of ground to cover. But as we, as we look at the Gibeonites, even though they acted deceptively, they acted deceptively because one part of what they said was true. They had heard about the God uh, of Israel. They had heard about the God who had led the people out of Egypt. They told them that at first. Look, we heard about your God. But they were deceptive in the fact that they came from a foreign land. But it was their fear of the Lord that drove them to be deceptive. It was their fear of the Lord that led them to, if we can say that, a certain kind of wisdom. It was the fear of the Lord that led them to try to seek the Lord's grace and the Lord's mercy and to be delivered from the Lord instead of being destroyed by the Lord. You know, the Bible says that fear is the beginning of wisdom. Now here we've seen in the book of Joshua on two different occasions you had Rahab who was a prostitute that lied and kept the Israelite uh, uh, um, spies that came in, got them protected from the guards and the soldiers who were coming to kill them. And God delivered her, God spared her because of the fear she had from the Lord even though she acted 
in a sinful way, a way that God does not condone. God delivered her because she had a certain fear of God. And here we have these people of Gibeon in a similar situation. They had heard of God. There was a certain fear they had for the Lord, and they feared the Lord so much that they were trying to be deceptive to be spared. And lo and behold, while I don't condone that we should ever be deceptive to try to get something we want, in this case, it was their fear of the Lord that led them to deliverance. How many of us fear the Lord that much? How many of us fear the Lord that when we hear about the Lord and know how, who the Lord is, how powerful the Lord is, that it changes our life, that it changes us to say, oh, I better not be living the way I am right now. I need to seek the Lord and I need to straighten my life up because He is all-powerful. And I need to treat him as such. How much fear do we have of the Lord? There should be some fear there. It shouldn't be that we walk around just shaking in our boots. That's not the kind of fear that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the respectful fear. That we respect the Lord and who he is. And that he created us. And that he is the one in control. And that we shouldn't go around living our life doing whatever we want to do but that we should respect God enough to say, look, God, this is what you commanded us to do. We are going to seek you. Now, the people of Israel had made this promise. They had made this treaty with the people of Gibeon. And you know what they did? They stuck by their word. Even though the people of Gibeon were deceptive, it was their fear of the Lord that ultimately led to their deliverance. Even though they did it in a wrong way, they were still spared. Even though they had to face some consequences, they were still spared. Even when the people of Israel realized that they had been deceived and there were some who were upset about it and some probably who wanted to kill them, they were spared because they had made a promise. They had made a promise to say, look, we have made this promise with you and even though we know you've acted <coughs> wrong, we are still going to spare you. And if, the people, if God's people, Israel, and we know that they made some boneheaded stuff, like they would do stuff and they would, they would say, oh God, we're going to do better, and then they do. Even if God's people, Israel, and all the bad decisions they made, and all the times they questioned God and doubted God, mumbled and grumbled, if them in their, in their human form, just normal human beings, are good enough to stand by a treaty, by a promise that they made to other people, then how much more so is the Lord? going to stand by the promise that he makes to us when he says, look, you are mine. I am going to deliver you. That's pretty reassuring for me to know that we serve a God who is going to stand by his promise and that we, when he makes a covenant with us, that we can count on that. When he makes that covenant through Jesus Christ that we have when we come to Jesus Christ and the Bible says, look, when you come to Jesus Christ, you are mine. Like that is road in black and white. And God's word we can count on. If God's people Israel didn't break their word and they're just normal human beings, how much more so can we trust the word of God who is the almighty God of the world? That even though that we may act deceptively and not act like we should sometimes like the Gibeonites, but if it is a genuine fear that drives us to the Lord, if we realize who God is and we humble ourselves before him to know that, look, if we come to him, he is not going to run us away. He is going to forgive us. He's not just going to sweep our sinfulness under the rug. He's not going to say that we are not sinners because we are. Just like what the, Gibeon, uh, the people of, of Gibeon did, that was not right. 
Just like many of the sins that we do are not right, but praise the Lord that He forgives us. And when we enter into that covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, what a glorious thing that is. And I don't know about you guys. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may just be living rampantly in sin right now, and you're just throwing caution to the wind, saying, I don't care. I don't care about nothing. Well, look, the God of Israel was a God who was going to destroy this, this land at this time. He was going to destroy all the people in the land to give it to his chosen people. And the same God that was going to do that is one day going to come back, and guess what? He's going to destroy this land. And he is going to give to his people a promised land, not in this world, but in heaven. The same God. And the same people, uh, Gibeon here, that feared the Lord so that they could be spared whenever God came in to destroy everything. You know, we could learn a little bit by them in the sense that we need to seek the Lord while we can. So when that day of destruction comes on our land, that we will be spared. That even in the midst of our sinfulness, that when God brings destruction, that we as Christians will be delivered. Because God has made a covenant with us. And when we enter into that covenant, into that promise, that gives us hope. That lets us know that God is going to deliver, to deliver us into the land that He has promised for us. So let us seek the Lord. Let us recognize that the same God who was in charge here, that the same God who had all the power here, that the same God who was destroying everybody here to, 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 to give his people the promised land is the same God who is going to come and destroy all the sin in our, in our world so he can deliver us, his children, to the promised land that we have in heaven. And if you're not fearing Him, if you hadn't feared Him, if you don't know who He is, if you hadn't turned to Him and asked for His forgiveness so that you can be spared of His wrath and experience His grace so that you don't have to live in fear, but you can live in freedom, if you haven't done that, then you need to do that. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and I thank you for this big, long text that we got tonight. And what, a, what an intense story, God. And there's a lot that, that we can take from, from your Word and this story and all, all of your Word, dear Lord. But help us to learn something from it tonight. Help us to, to, at least in some sense, learn from the Gibeonites that when we hear about you, God, that we need to respect you enough to, to want to seek you, dear Lord. Help us to, to learn from the Israelites, dear Lord, that, to know that, you know, sometimes, God, we, we make promises and people do us wrong, but let us be men and women of our word, dear Lord, God, that even if, if those around us aren't doing right, God, if we, if we, if we say we're going to do something, let us be faithful to do it. And let us look to you, dear Lord, as our example, to know that you are a God that, that, that shows us, that has told us, that we can trust and we can know that when you say you're going to do something, God, that we know for a fact that you are going to do it, that you are good on your word. And we know that Jesus Christ came to die, and God, your word tells us if we trust him, if we come to him and ask him for forgiveness and ask, ask him for forgiveness and to come into our heart, dear Lord God, that we know that he does because your word says so. And we know, God, that you're not going to leave us in this old sinful world forever. But, God, the day is coming, the time is coming when you are going to bring us into the promised land that you have prepared for us, God, a land where you're going to be. So help us to look forward to that day with hope, dear Lord. Help us to stay strong. Help us to be about your work. I pray that you be with each one that's here tonight. Give them a good week. Bring them back safe here next time we come to worship. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.